You're listening to the New Century Multiverse, Stone Spring Maidens. Chapter 15. Penny for your thoughts. Gabriella, Day 8 of Frigga, Midwinter Fall, 1884. Penny stared up at the apartment block and pressed the brass intercom button once again. Nothing. Maybe Harry was still asleep. Penny stopped and picked up five tiny pieces of gravel. She turned them over in her hand before flinging them one by one at what she had worked out was the bedroom window. The blinds did not shift. Now she was caught between turning around and heading back to work and stooping for another handful. Her eyes came up and met those of a small and ancient lady just a few feet away from her, separated by a curtained window. I'm just... My friend lives up above you? Penny mimed to the upper floors. The wizened crone's eyes narrowed. I'm sorry, I've gone temporarily insane and I'm having a hard time passing out my individual feelings. Penny mouthed back wordlessly before turning and bolting off down the street. When Harry finally appeared in her workshop, Penny railed on her immediately. Where were you? She shouted far louder than intended. Two more seconds of taking in the woman standing before her, one side of her head closely shaved, the other lined with royal blue dreadlocks, and the top adorned with crimson, told Penny her precise answer, but Harry still flinched. Okay, useless question number one answered. Useless question number two, do you know there are things you do when your life I mean, your schedule intersects with someone else. You tell them where you're going to be so they don't end up making a fool of themselves out your window. You seemed very cross with me last night. I don't know what could have given me that impression, but I felt weird making a call to you. So I left it. Spent some time with Atar. Well, next time, call me. Tell me. Ugh. By Tawesha, this feels like arguing with She bit her tongue. You're really upset. I'm so sorry I did this to you. And I'm sorry for my prying into your personal life last night. That's, That's none of my business. I was just... I was just really enjoying finding things out about you. Your people. About Autumn. She took a careful step towards Penny, whose fists were balled up by her sides, a tear in her eye, her teeth gritted tightly, pale as a winter full moon. I like your new hair. You do? A lot. You look even more alive than usual. I feel more alive. Can I just try something? Said Penny, and reached up, running her bare fingertips over the rough, shaven side of Harry's head. That feels good. Harry's eyelids closed. That feels good. I'm going to kiss you and get it out of the way. This whole confrontation felt like a daydream. Harry nodded slowly, but did not open her eyes. That way, we can just see how it feels and move on. Carry carry on with our work, like sensible colleagues. Their lips were almost touching. Are you sure? Seems like it might change things a lot. I have to know. 
Just so it happened once. The kiss began. Harry was slightly taller with her new limbs, so her head inclined downwards as their mouths met. Penny was far more experienced at both kissing and, specifically, kissing women, so the sensation was not as earth-shatteringly novel as it was for Harry. But Harry had, to date, only kissed Abigail, and once, briefly, Tabitha Chorley, purely in the interests of science. So for her, the intensity of feeling that she had already invested in this woman, roiled around in the moment, gathering within her, and holding in sharp relief everything she had felt for Abigail last year. It was like a Mustang gated into a stable, pacing back and forth agitatedly. Were she able to put words to the feelings, she would have recontextualized Grey as a crush, a key realization of her own sexuality and an experienced bedfellow with whom she could engage in a variety of new and thrilling practices, all outside the accepted norms of their society. But this was a world where women chose, and Penny had chosen her. And Penny was everything she wanted, all at once. The gathering wildness broke free and smashed the stable gates into matchwood. Harry embraced Penny and breathed in deeply, devouring her scent. In turn, Penny felt this sudden rise and the realization that she was actually kissing this strange, astonishing person from so far away revved the sleeping engine in her mind. The passion entwined the two of them as they clung to one another. Penny was faintly aware of the wall at her back as she pulled Harry in, breaking her mouth away to kiss at her neck, leaving bright green lipstick marks across the human's skin as Harry's hands cupped the small of her back and mashed their hips together. Penny had definitely felt passion before, urgency for sure and there had been many times in the past when Cal had worn her out completely, but never with this sense of utter satisfaction. She and Harry fit together in a way that made so much sense it rendered everything else awkward and absurd. Penny's hands were in Harry's hair as she brought their mouths back together, desperate for this moment to abide. A growing terror that letting go would bring the real world flooding back in. Harry, in turn, started thinking too much. The forest behind her beckoned and she was being drawn into it and the escape from physicality that it constituted. This was their only kiss. But it couldn't be, that made no sense practically and she wasn't sure about emotionally but it felt very wrong. And all of a sudden their lips parted and they were looking into one another's eyes. Not a single word in either of their languages would suffice for this moment. This was the exact second that Donna Madrigal limped in through the doorway at the far end of the room. Harry stumbled backwards, but then lurched back in because Penny's eyes had gone skywards and she was falling. Donna hobbled at speed towards them and cried out, Catch her. That's it. She's okay. She's okay. This was an extremely stressful way for Harry to meet Donna again, as the lady gingerly took Penny's weight from her and lowered the younger woman to the ground. Harry, in turn, grabbed Donna's crutch and supported her to prevent the older Elaine from toppling as well. She found kneeling suddenly and taking on extra bodies proved an exceptional challenge in the new prosthetics. Penny convulsed and contorted as Donna arranged her body, pushing tables aside for clear floor space. 
A dark patch had appeared at Penny's pelvis as a puddle gathered beneath her. Mm. This is normal. She'll get through it. Just give her space. It's a spell. I have these. Mm. Then you understand. And for the first time, Harry felt something like what the people on the outside of her would have done when she went deep inside. Time passed, and Penny recovered, filled with embarrassment and shame. Donna did not mention the kiss. Nobody did. Donna left tactfully when she was sure the young woman was stable enough. Penny went for a shower and changed into some spare clothes before coming back in to sit beside Harry. You cleaned up? Of course I did. I'm so sorry. About absolutely everything. The shouting, the window coming on to you and then my episode. You really shouldn't have cleaned up. That's always my job. Wait. Your boss makes you clean up? No, I mean... Nothing. It just doesn't happen at work very often. I'm okay. You have nothing to apologize for. Well, now you know. Penny cried, flinging her hands up with exaggerated exasperation. My dignity got peed away all over my pants. I must be so utterly attractive to you right now. <laughs> you are. Oh, if only I'd met you five sons ago. Penny groaned. She half reached out to take Harry's hand, but pulled back. She must restrain herself. So... We just carry on then. That's all water under the... Uh, sorry, that's all behind us. I think we have to. And hey, at least now you probably feel less weird about your spells because they're self-contained and quiet and not so messy and dangerous. They were dangerous when I was driving. But yeah, I like that we kind of have a weird thing in common. Penny sighed again, got to her feet, and slid on her TR glove. <sighs> I've got an arm to fine-tune. Enough putting off of my workday. I suppose it wouldn't make much of a difference if, if I told you that sometimes my deepest nightmares make me wet the bed. No, that's way worse. If we lived together, the mattress would never get dry. If we lived together? Harry thought, but did not say. I think I'd have a lot fewer nightmares. Gabriella, day nine of Frigga, midwinter fall, 1884. Can I start off by saying I am so, so sorry to have left it so preposterously long to talk about this with you? Penny began. You chose an odd place for said Ganny. The sundown played stippled citrine over their faces as they circled Gabriella in the oaken tram. I wanted somewhere with no easy exits. So you trapped us both? In essence, yes. I want to be less evasive in future. Well, this is a way. Okay. Penny took a deep, long breath. Clearly, we've thought about it for months on end. I feel like if one of us really wanted it, they would have tracked down the other to say so. I feel like both of us might want to be married to one another. She paused. This was agonizing. We just don't want the other to be forced into it. 
So we're saving one another's feelings and it's, it's hurt our friendship. Oh, which is the exact opposite of what we wanted. Their gondola was empty, aside from the two of them, though Penny was sure her words were carrying on the breeze across to the other hanging cars as they were getting some funny looks. She decided she didn't care anymore. Pen, I worked out a long time ago that it didn't really matter how much I loved you romantically. You were never going to see me quite the same way. Do you think it's possible to have a romantic friendship? Because honestly, Gan, I do love you probably in more ways than you expect. It's just... Not physical? No. Like I said, I figured this was the case for a long time. Probably a bit longer than you knew. It's not that you aren't stunningly gorgeous, empirically speaking. Thank you? And I think you're beautiful. Outside and in. And I am so lucky and so happy to be your friend. I just want you to be loved entirely. For everything you are, and your place as a stallion in my marriage to Cal would be unfair on you. And also unfair to any children we brought into this world. I won't have them raised in a house with the possibility of resentment, and I won't have you feel like a lesser part of the family. That makes sense, considering... Wait, so you love me too much to marry me? Yes, that! Uh, that is a frocked up way of putting it, but it is exactly right. What if we got married anyway, and then pushed Calendula into a very deep well? That is a terrible and inappropriate thing to say. Which well did you have in mind? They chuckled, and she held his robotic hand. I want the same thing for you, he said softly. I mean, I want you to look at the persons you're married to, and just love them with every inch of yourself, and to know, fundamentally, deep down, that this adoration, this powerful connection is entirely mirrored and shared. Penny could not reply. She simply nodded. Something had been bothering her for a long while, and she had not been able to put her finger on it. Now, recent events had brought her a new awareness, and she did not find that perspective entirely comforting. been listening to episode 15 of Stone Spring Maidens. Penny for your thoughts. Written, edited and directed by Alexander Shaw. Penthesily Renwick performed by Theo Lee. Harry Arlington performed by Loretta Saylor. Ganymede Ferron performed by Felix Quist. Donna Madrigal performed by Shanta Parasuraman. Narration by Alexander Shaw. Make your decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Frost Waltz and Pam Gaia, performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Many soundscapes including Lush World, Submerged, and Steampunk Station by Tabletop Audio. If you can't support us on Patreon, but would like to contribute to this show, then a review on iTunes, or of one of the books on Amazon, would absolutely help us move forward. It takes five minutes, and it means the world. Stone Spring Maidens is available in a 
gorgeous paperback from Amazon.com, along with the previous nine stories from the New Century Multiverse, and the three newest, Panther Soul, Nightfall of the Wendigo, and Back in Time Plus Space. You should be listening to Through the Wind Door. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Marty Huey, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. 